Hi, everyone. Welcome again to our podcast, Don't Blame the CRM. This time we have a guest from a city called Malmö in, in, in Sweden. And we have Adam, who's head of uh, demand gen at a company called GetAccept. Welcome to the podcast, Adam. Yeah, great to be here. Thanks. Maybe we can start with introductions. Um, most people, I would imagine, know GetAccept. You're a well-known company based in based in Malmö, Sweden, and uh, at Wine we also use your digital sales room. Uh, but maybe you can talk about the GetAccept as a company and also your role at GetAccept. Yeah. So yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting journey here now. Lots of things happening. So I started here about two years ago now. Uh, so sitting as head of demand, yen, and we can we can talk more about that, of course. Um, but you know, working with everything in relation to scaling, get accept growth on uh, globally, uh, I would say. And get accept is a really interesting journey, I would say, because we are very much trying to create a new category now, like you said, with digital sales rooms. Um, and that is both very inspiring for me, <laughs> working in head of demand, but also super tricky. Sometimes I feel like it would be easier to just work with a well-known category that people know uh, and, you know, that have some existing demand. Uh, that's the tricky part now. We, we you know, we've created a category called digital sales room. There are a lot of companies getting into the category, which is good because then it means that it's growing. But it's also, you know, we have to really explain to people why it matters and so on um so i think it's uh it's a super exciting journey now i would say um and where i would say like, like the main challenges that i think many people can resonate with when you're creating a category is how do we you know show the benefits of a new category as well as explain to the people maybe looking for more traditional solutions that uh, or maybe we can solve that too uh, i think that's a general challenge yeah, it's actually interesting. When we had kickoff at, at Vino a month ago, we also discussed the importance of defining a category because you mm. can also place Vino in quite a few different categories. <laughs> um, but there's a because we also feel that there's a big benefit if you are part of a category or if you're able to form a category because then, of course, certain companies, especially bigger ones, they tend to have budgets available for categories, but yeah. sometimes only for categories. But you're head of um, and running demand gen. What that means in the context of GetAccept? Yeah, um, so we started this um, team, I would say, when I when I joined about two years ago. Um, and demand yen here basically means that we're in charge of our, you know, uh, growth uh, in terms of marketing source revenue. So we have very clear targets on how much revenue we are supposed to bring in from a, from a marketing side, um, as well as the sales side, of course. Uh, and we also work extremely close with our sales organization, I would say. Uh, so it's not like uh, we only bring in marketing revenue and they bring in the sales revenue, so to say. It's more of a joint collaboration. Um, but yeah, that's the basis of And in just to explain uh, quickly, in the Demandian team, if we mm -hmm. call it that, um, we have uh, we have myself and then we have all other people also. We have our own designer. We have people sitting in local markets. Um, and we have people focused on just ABM. So we have very growth-oriented roles. Uh, yeah. That's that's exciting. We'll talk about those topics in a moment. Um, 
But let's let's talk about the org structure a little bit more. Um, mm-hmm. In in this in this podcast, we've been interviewing lots of RevOps people, um, and I remember at GetAccept you have sales ops, yeah, uh, and then do you also have marketing ops? And how, how is that set up? Like, is marketing ops part of your marketing team, and then sales ops part of your sales team? How how is that all organized? Yeah, I think marketing ops is that function you you wish you had sooner and then later. But but we actually now we have marketing ops, but it's also quite a new role for us, I would say. And as you said, we have had sales ops for a long time. Now we've added marketing ops since we saw a really big need for that. And just to give context, I think we are in the marketing team now about 25 or something people. So about 10% of, of the company. So it's quite a which was one of the reasons why I joined to get accepted because it's quite a big marketing function in relation to to other department, which I think is really cool because we care about marketing. Uh, But then marketing ops becomes even more critical since we are more people that's working. Um, So we added that sometime um, this fall, uh, marketing ops then. And before that, I would say like sales ops have been both marketing ops and sales ops. And like you said, rev ops, maybe we can call it that. so, so now we added marketing ops more to decrease the burden on sales ops, to be, to be honest. So, uh, and that person uh, is very, very vital, I would say, to our marketing team and especially to me and my team, because they are, you know, making sure that we are, you know, sticking to budgets, that we are reporting on the right numbers, that we are tracking well towards our targets um but also you know more technical sl- stuff mm-hmm. like making sure our workflows are set up efficiently that our integrations are set up well towards analytics vinyl you know mm-hmm. you name it um so i i think the problem with such a role it's usually that is a role you would need in like maybe the first five hires in a marketing mm-hmm. team but usually you wait until maybe the twentieth yep. higher because you oh ah, we can we can live without it. Um, so marketing ops, you mentioned they're obviously doing reporting. They keep an eye on KPIs. Lots of um, also responsible for the budget or making sure that you don't go beyond the budget. Um, yep. Integrations workflows you mentioned. So start of curiosity what is the background of that individual who's having that marketing ops role did he or she come from with sales background or finance background or data technical background um i would say she she is very technical uh, or marketing ops definitely and but she has a she has a background in in both performance marketing i would say data analysis uh, all of that so so she has a very good understanding of you know the marketing uh, surrounding uh, so mm-hmm. i think it was uh, yeah it became quite a quite a natural transition here to be honest uh, yeah. which has which i think is important i i actually don't know i think it's maybe more critical for marketing ops to understand the uh, yeah the marketing environment more than maybe understanding sales in the beginning because mm-hmm. it's so it's so hard to understand also sometimes okay how does linkedin ads work how does facebook ads work um yeah. And if you have that, it will be much easier to get into such a role. Mm. So, but at the moment, sales ops is reporting to chief revenue officer or VP sales, I would assume. Yeah. yeah. Then marketing ops is part of marketing and ultimately, I guess, reporting to CMO. Yeah. Uh, 
do do you think what what's your prediction because in the US we have seen quite a few companies sort of moving away from these department specific ops roles and they're putting them all under one centralized ops teams called revenue ops do you think is that something that you have discussed at get accept do you think that makes sense or is it a little bit case by case yeah i i really think it since they anyways work so extremely close together i i, I think it makes sense eventually um and I actually really like I really like the, the just the name of that role because it really highlights also what it's about. Like, okay, what are we trying to achieve here? Okay, we're trying to, you know, get more revenue in the end. And how do we then do that? Okay, by maximizing this and uh, increasing efficiency here. So I, I think it's it's completely possible that that would happen at GetAccept eventually also. Um, and even if it doesn't formally for a while, I think that, is the way of working to be fair um i would say that i'm working extremely close with sales ops also regarding uh, different marketing initiatives take we are we are doing a big social selling initiative now as an example that i'm working um, extremely close with them for like making sure that we we have the, all the accounts set up making sure that we you know yeah um, so i think that's that's important Yep. So you collaborate with sales ops and you mentioned um, social selling as an example. Um, then obviously you collaborate with marketing ops. What are some of the topics where you collaborate with uh, marketing ops? Is it, you mentioned LinkedIn ads, like is it mainly advertisement or like what are those topics? Yeah, usually they tell me when I'm spending too much. I think that's the, <laughs> no, but but in many, many ways I'm collaborating with uh, with marketing ops, usually also when we, you know, make sure our base is set up correctly, making mm. sure all the goals are tracked correctly in all of our platforms. And that can be LinkedIn ads, Google ads, whatever, all the way into our site, making sure all those workflows are set up efficiently. Okay, someone books a demo, make sure that demo is then both sent to the platforms, but also sent to our CRM and make sure those goals are actually tracked all the way down to revenue. Mm. So it's it's really making sure the whole kind of funnel is working efficiently. I think that's the most important uh, job, to be honest, because that's really tricky to when you are both supposed to execute on and strategize on growth and demand. Yeah, and it's really hard to also make sure that everything is working mm. efficiently. So I think that's the, the most critical aspect of it. Yep. And let's talk about demand, Jen. Uh, simply by by reading and following LinkedIn, I feel that there's lots of companies that are moving away from lead gen and they're yeah. now sort of applying demand gen motion. Um, but what does it mean for you? Like what are, for example, some of the areas where you're now really increasing investment and maybe maybe there are certain areas or channels where you're decreasing the uh, the investment, like what, what's working and what's not in, in, in the world of demand gen uh, for you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's really cool to see that movement, like seeing so many companies, uh, you know, moving away a bit from trying to bring in as many leads as possible, mm. but maybe take the more qualitative approach. And I think in general, what we are more trying to do is to just give more value, value, value. That is really what we're trying to do and not, you know, try to capture so much all the time, but instead mm. give value and then we more 
uh, or confident that they will come to us. So I think that's really cool. Um, and I would say we have done a lot of things um, to get there. Like the first things like uh, I think we did when I joined was to just start looking at more relevant KPIs. Like, mm. as I said, is it volume of MQLs or leads that are most important? Yeah, maybe not. Um, so we started obsessing over other KPIs where we, we look at high intent MQLs so people that have actually booked a demo. Um, that was something we started obsessing over. Then we looked at, okay, meetings. We looked at pipeline. Okay, those are the, the three critical uh, measurements we look at um, and that we believe will correlate to revenue down the line. Uh, and now if I look at this year, we are looking at the same KPIs, but we are also transferring them more into segments and ICP. So looking at, okay, high intent MQLs from uh, you know SMB segment in in IT tech, okay, mm. that is really where we want to be. So making sure that we not only look at uh, quality uh, measurements, but also making sure that that actually brings our ICP through the door and what happens with that. Yep. Um, Let, let's let's talk about that ICP uh, for a moment. So <clears throat> you mentioned that you have done lots of work regarding uh, the ideal customer profile and and really narrowing it down to specific segments. Uh, yeah, I mean, without going into details of all those segments, but how do you make sure that marketing and sales and also products, all of them are working towards the same ICP? Because you have a very specific one uh, already before the podcast. You you mentioned that you look at technology stack, you look at how many individuals they have in sales, very specific industry verticals, like you said, IT yeah. and so on. But how do you make sure that teams and departments are aligned, that sales, marketing and product all work towards the same um, ICP segment? Yeah, I think to be honest, it has also become it has become easier now when you know the macro environment is what it is. We have less budget maybe than we have in the past. So we really need to make sure our targeting is efficient. I think that is what really sparked us to to work on this, you know, a lot together. Um so we have what we call um, ABX. Uh, we, we've created like an ABX program. We call it account-based experience because it's both ABM from marketing and ABS from sales. Mm. Uh, and there we have basically what you said about our ICP. We have really tried to correlate, okay, what are the parameters here that we see correlate mostly with revenue? Mm. Okay, and from our point of view, it was you know CRM that they have a CRM where we have an integration because we see that that makes it more stickier. Um, but also number of sales trip because we need to get a certain amount of users to really feel the benefit of our platform. Okay, if if those are the things, we need to have all the companies that that applies on that uh, in Europe and in US, we need to get them on a list. And these are the companies we will mm. go for. Uh, and when I say go for, it's like, yes, we will do outbound, we will do email sequences, but everything we do from a marketing point of view should also be targeted towards that. And that is as an example, we are pretty big on LinkedIn ads. So our LinkedIn ads is solely going to those types of companies. Yep. We have been very broad before, but now we are, you know, 
we are only targeting. So kind of a bit, you know, the bee swarming type of thing where we we're seeing on LinkedIn ads, we're seeing on emails, hopefully, and we're seeing on that is truly what we believe will be most efficient now. Um, we might go broader in the future, but now it's, uh, yeah, during this year, I think this will be, yeah, really the, yep. the best way. So LinkedIn ads, um, and I mean, I've seen some of your posts that you have seen really nice uh, increase in, in, in the main KPI simply by fine-tuning and testing uh, some of the ads. But LinkedIn yeah. is working and you're very specific with, with sort of the audience that it's, it's the ICP segment. How about other, other channels? What do you use in terms of ABM? LinkedIn is, I guess, the one most people use. Do you see any other ABM channels working? Email is, I guess, counts as a channel, but what, what, what else? Yeah, we are, it, it's a bit different. We are, when we talk about the ABM, what we are really trying to do is to make sure we have enough interactions uh, mm. with an account. We, we set a boundary. Okay, these are how many actions we really believe we need to have in order to make it into an opportunity. Uh, and then we, based on that activity, we, we give it uh, some kind of point. Um, and we have, as you said, LinkedIn is a big one for us, of course, Facebook ads, all of those kind of ads channels. But apart from that, we are also big believers in events. Um, we are hosting a lot of this year, a lot of like VIP slash uh, APM events, if you want to call it that, where we are trying to, you know, create interesting topics uh, and then make sure we get our uh, ABM accounts into those kind of events mm. uh, where we can kind of start to, you know, create those relationships. Uh, and also in relation with those events, we also really like to do some kind of, you know, swag, send out those kind of things that are very memorable and mm. trying to stand out a little bit. So I would say those are maybe more important for us than our uh, online channels towards our ABM accounts, I would say, like trying to stand out in more of a traditional fashion um, and being a bit more uh, guerrilla style. Like we we used to be when GetAccept was was born, like we didn't have major budget. So uh, I think that is what we're trying to do this year, maybe moving back a bit to, yeah, everything doesn't have to cost a lot. It can yeah. just be different. Yeah, I think get accept for me always have been very good at uh, events. Obviously, it starts from people having those crazy suits and all that. So I think it's always yeah. easy to recognize where the get accept booth is. For example, uh, last year that is, I would say like Boston, that is super easy to spot that hey, there's get accept. So that's definitely good brand recognition. Uh, yeah, I mean people create these ABX, ABS, ABM. Um, campaigns but just so that we get the get the context how many roughly how many how many companies do you have in that abx list i mean it's both yep. europe and us do we talk about tens of thousands of companies or thousands of companies just so that we get the idea and also if you have split that abx into smaller segments for example based on industry yeah we have and i would say we have a few different tiers on that so to say so we might have for our, you know, where, where we do our main uh, marketing activities, we have maybe uh, 100 to 150 per market that we focus on. But in terms of what we are running in paid ads, that is definitely more. That's probably in the, you know, the 5,000 plus range. Um, 
and then outbound is probably somewhere in between. So it's we have a very tier-based approach. And as you said, we have segmented it pretty hardly also. Um, like in certain amount of CRM, certain amount of sales reps, making sure that a relevant rep has the right types of accounts and those types of, of things also. So I, I think it's when we talk about the ABM and so it's also important to differentiate, is it like one to few, so one to one, or mm. is it one to, I think you can do it in many ways. It doesn't have to be, you know, you you have, you don't have to have 10 accounts and just go for them. I think it's, uh, it depends a lot on how big your ACV is and how big your deals is, but you know, our main segment is, you know, SMB. Uh, it would be quite foolish of us to just run for 10 accounts mm. and believe that that will run our entire uh, revenue for this year. So I think it's important for us to still have a one-to-many approach in that sense, yep. but still make it as tailored as we can. Uh, yep. Yeah. Talking about tailoring and, and personalization, um, I've seen more and more of these examples that when i go to a website the case study that i see definitely is personalized to me it's a company that i recognize it's a company that maybe operates in the same space like do you also do that that you start tailoring and personalizing um, the content for visitors so that they for example see a case study of their lookalike or similar business is, is are you already on that that level we haven't done a lot of that on our web, to be honest, but I think that is super interesting. Um, you know, there are a bunch of cool companies like uh, out there that that does things like that, and I'm I'm definitely interested in that for 2023. I think we have done that more in in say ads and emails and, and you know mm-hmm. making um, take emails as an example. You know, inserting their logo into a picture, things like that. Um, and I think that is something we could do much more on our website, uh, for sure. And I, I don't think we have really tested that out at all, to be honest. So I, I think that is something that could could increase conversion rates a lot, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a topic that I've spent a lot of time lately, uh, because, partly because we're working on that similarity model yeah. that it provides lookalikes. Because I'm thinking, like, for example, Bainu is, is, is your customer. So then whenever... A company that operates in the same space as Vainu might be a direct competitor or just a company that is very close, closely connected to what we do. When they collaborate or experience, uh, get accepts, maybe promoting Vainu case study for them would be the best best move because that most likely most likely would rec- uh, resonate well with them since they recognize the company and they feel that okay, hey, they have been solving some things for similar mm. businesses. Uh, is there something that you're planning to do less this year? I mean, you said that in this economic climate, um, also close eye on budgets. Are there yeah. channels or tactics that you plan to do less this year? Yeah, for sure. There are many things. Uh, I think we, we, as a start, we will not be as event heavy this year as we've been in the past. Um, I do think events are great and I do think we get accepted quite good at them, but I don't think that's, it's not as efficient when it comes to, you know, ROI and and revenue, maybe Um, that is one. And the second, maybe big one is Google ads. Um, I, I won't say that we will spend maybe a lot less on it, but we will make it more efficient for sure. I think that's, um, 
it's a general black hole in a company. I, I would mm. say most companies, especially in Europe, uh, Google Ads, we tend to spend the majority of our budget on there. Say, you know, many companies I've been looking at recently, you know, 80% plus of the of the marketing spend is going towards Google Ads because it's easiest to attribute stuff from there. Um, mm. And usually, you know, there are some kind of existing demand for your category maybe. But what I've also found is that most companies are not ROI positive from Google Ads. Um, usually it's the case that your brand is actually bringing in most of the revenue, but you're spending so much money on other stuff that the, that the brand then is covering up for. So it's when you actually deep dive into it, it's really tricky to find ROI from those initiatives. Um, and I think that is what we are really, similar to what I talked about with targeting and social that we have become obsessed with. We are also now obsessing a lot over Okay, what are all the non-brand campaigns we are running and what are those actually individually giving us? Uh, and if it's not, and then of course one can argue that, uh, yeah, but they could uh, search for that and then they convert in some other way. But we want to at least see indications that they can be ROI positive on its own. Uh, yeah. Then last last topic might be one question or a few questions. Um, Let's talk about data a little bit, because of course in demand gen, I mean, there's obviously reporting is important. Attribution is important. You also mentioned that ICP is super crucial for you right now. And that means yep. that you have lots of data. Where do you, first of all, where do you have sort of that master data? Is it in your CRM or do you have another cloud database where you store all the sort of customer and, and company and prospect data? And uh, then all yeah. departments access that, or is it CRM, which is the sort of source of truth at the moment? Yeah, we use we use our CRM, we use HubSpot as our source of truth. Uh, might not be the optimal way always, but it's it's an easy way. Uh, I think it sometimes creates a lot of work also, but I think it's when that work is done, I think it's easier because everyone is in the CRM and it's easy to use the data. I think that's the problem with using data warehouses and stuff is that people won't use the data often maybe analysts will and so on but i think yeah i really think uh i think we are quite okay in terms of data in hubspot yeah, yeah. and and hubspot is both crm and marketing automation platform for yeah. you right exactly um, how about attribution that's that's of course one topic that uh, everybody would like to know uh, the answer yeah. and there's of course plenty of vendors but is that something that is also uh, on your table yeah, for sure. And it's uh, something we're trying to work with all the time, right? There are many vendors out there trying to solve the attribution uh, mystery. Um, and something we also use, uh, you know, we are basically using HubSpot's own um, attribution. It, and it's also limited something. It's usually, uh, or for us at least, it's um, first touch attribution. So if someone comes in, uh, it takes the, the, the thing that they did then and attributes it, which can be correct in some ways. That's why usually Google Ads is fairly okay because it's a very direct channel. Yep. People Usually people searches and then they convert and that works fine with first touch. Social, not so much. So people might see 10 different ads and then convert in some other way. They might search for you or whatever. And then it, it attributes as direct as an example. Many companies have a lot of things in direct that is hard to you know attribute to something. Uh, and I think in general, I'm a bit skeptical around trying to attribute too many things. I think, you know, 
we we can i think we should work with what we have and then maybe sometimes work with gut feeling i still think that's that is important um but i think it's important to find indications and i usually work with a lot of measurements based on the channel that are indications that our um you know revenue will go up yeah. um so if i take if i take social as an example we yes we have some direct uh, attributed leads for sure demos um but not to the extent where it will affect our revenue greatly but we believe that it has a big effect on our pipeline so what we are looking a lot at in social to give you an example is like view conversions mm -hmm. so how many people are viewing our ads and then booking a demo regardless of the source mm -hmm. that gives us an indication of you know okay this creative or this campaign seem to have an effect on pipeline uh, we might not know exactly what company drove or so on but we have an indication i think that's important yep and i would imagine the sort of the responsibility uh, lies in the marketing ops teams. Is that the the individual or team who's doing the attribution uh, reporting? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think it's also, I think it's easy to start obsessing over attribution when you really want to provide, you know, show the ROI you're creating from marketing. I think it's also important to make management or whoever sits in charge, you know, make them aware that everything is not black and white. Um, mm. It's not... Uh, it will never be possible to get 100% correct attribution, but maybe we can get indication, get a journey, uh, trying to explain it. Yeah. All right. Thanks a lot, Adam. This has been awesome discussion. One one question that I'm planning to ask also from all the, all the guests, at least at the beginning of this year, is just your prediction, uh, because the it's there's lots of uncertainty um in the market right now and the uh, economic climate is is quite unique when do you think uh things will start to bounce back or i don't know yeah. if there's things such as normal but when do you think things will start becoming more normal again and uh, we're sort of beyond this downswing in economy is it already this year or do we have to wait until 2024 yeah, I think it's a tricky one. I think definitely this year will be will be tricky. Uh, and I think that's also why, you know, maybe companies are not looking to buy new tools, but maybe they are looking to consolidate their current tools. So I think that's a good opportunity for many companies like, okay, maybe they won't buy us as a completely new tool, but maybe we can replace some of their tools. Like that is maybe how many companies need to think about their solutions today. Um, but I think for sure, 2023 will be tricky. Uh, I think 2024, it will definitely start to brighten up. Uh, I think we have already seen that a bit, like US is usually a bit ahead of Europe. So mm. Europe is it's more going down right now. US have been doing that for a while and we can already see maybe some indications that they are a bit better off. So yeah, I think uh, we will get back to it for sure. Yeah. And now when you mentioned that there might be like consolidation and then that also creates opportunities for existing vendors, I guess that could also mean that investing in, in existing customers and really putting a lot of focus on customer success exactly. and, and finding growth from that. But I, that would almost require another episode. So let's now <laughs> yeah. jump into that. So big thanks for joining. And, and if people want to check Get Accept, I guess the best way is to either go to getaccept.com or connect with you on LinkedIn, right? Yeah, sounds great. Thank you for having me. Okay, thank you. Bye.